Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chuck and Ernie in Steam Room. Come and join us in Steam Room. Chuck and Ernie in Steam Room. Leave your towel on in Steam Room. Welcome to the Steam Room Podcast. We are presented by Tissot, the official watch of the NBA. I am neither Ernie Johnson nor Charles Barkley. I am Mike Kaplan, a.k.a. Producer Cap, and I thank you for tuning in to this very special tribute to the generous fountain of hilarity, absurdity, and sincerity that is Chuck's answering machine. This is easily Ernie and Chuck's favorite part of the show every week because they really do feel a genuine connection to the people who take the time to call in and share a story about meeting Chuck in the wild or to ask a funny question or even to work up the courage to bear their soul in front of thousands of listeners on a podcast named for an awkward encounter Charles Barkley had in a steam room one time. So what better way to pay tribute to the loyal steamers who are Chuck's answering machine than to invite a few of the loyalists among them to share the mic on this one. Without further ado, this is The Best of Chuck's Answering Machine, Season 2. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Stav here, original loyal steamer from Down Under. So Ernie and Charles' favorite memories, well, I'm sure they were their favorite memories, from Season 2 of Chuck's Answering Machine were the many calls they received from all around the world. Loyal steamers called in from far and wide to talk about, well, everything. I am so nervous. I can't believe I'm leaving a message for you. Ernie, I love you, and I'm a fan of yours as well. Um, Charles, I remember very fond memories of watching NBA games with my uncle when I was little. He would tell me all about the rules of basketball, even though I didn't understand any of it. And I remember seeing you on TV, and I just want to say you're my favorite basketball player of all time because you're just amazing. And like you, I was also raised by my grandma. Please tell me your funniest or best grandma story. Sending much love to Charles and Ernie from the Philippines. Thanks, guys. Wow. The Philippines. Nice. Man, we are international. Man, this is unbelievable. Well, my grandmother... You know, my grandma is the greatest person ever in my life. And I think uh, people know that to make ends meet, my grandma was was a bootlegger. (laughs) She was the best, but she was a little crazy. This is how amazing my grandmother was. She started out being a nurse and she was a cosmetologist. So my grandmother was all over the place on things she did. But she had this one weird thing when she started getting older and she had arthritis. You'd hear this sound, squeak, 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 squeak. And you're like, what the hell is that? And then you hear it a little bit more. And then you go and say, Granny, what are you doing? What's that noise? She would put WD-40 on her knees and ankles as a lubricant. And <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Hey, Ernie, swear. My grandmother would put WD-40 on her ankles and her knees as a lubricant. I mean, you couldn't make it up. 
But uh, she was the best ever. But yeah, Ernie, you hear that little sound it makes? That's like, yeah. what, what is that noise? And then you're walking and she'd be rubbing her ankles and her knees with WD-40. And, and like, she said, this lubes everything up. I said, yeah, like doors and shutters and things, not and people's body parts, Franny. <laughs> but man, she was the most amazing person ever. Chuck, Chuck, it's your boy, Johnny Gill. Check this out. Got two suggestions. Um, I got this song that's a no-brainer that you should definitely think about using. It's called Can You Stand the Rain? No-brainer, no-brainer. And then there's another joint by Stevie Wonder called As. Not A-S-S, but As. A-S, the most powerful, the most beautiful song ever written by Stevie Wonder. Uh, so you got two. And guess what? Both of them will be really good for your mind. It's light on your toes. Those are my two choices. All right? <laughs> Thank you, Johnny Gill. What a good dude, man. I love Johnny Gill. You know, Ernie, it's a lot of good stuff out there, man. Without question, man. And that's and what I really enjoy is the fact that so many of our loyal steamers have uh, jumped on board with that, man. Yeah, I really appreciate them. I mean, it's really awesome, man. And I really appreciate them taking the time. But they gave me a lot of stuff to choose from. Hello, guys. My name is Hakim from Switzerland. First of all, I want to thank you guys for entertaining me. I mean, I love listening to you. And then, second of all, I wanted to ask Chuck because uh, I've heard once in an interview that he doesn't like bananas. He doesn't like to eat bananas. But I wanted to know if if he would rather eat a donut who smells like a banana or if he would rather eat a banana who smells like a donut. Thank you, guys, and peace from Switzerland. What, what a question. I love it. First of all, Hakeem from Switzerland. I bet he wears a Tissot. Yeah, I bet he does. First of all, shout out to Roger Federer, one of the best to ever do it, maybe even the GOAT. So, uh, number one, uh, as far as fruit, I do not like bananas. I only eat two fruits. That's uh, apples and pears. Uh, Hakeem, to answer your question, I'd rather eat a donut that tastes like a banana. Smell like a banana. Smell like a banana. Because If it tasted like a banana, why would you eat it if you don't like the taste of bananas? That's why I said. That's why I said I would not eat a banana that tasted like a donut because I hate that mushy thing. It's like avocado. I don't like avocado either because it's just a bowl of mush. So it's the consistency and not really the taste of the banana. Yes. Definitely the consistency of the banana is why I don't like bananas. Well, maybe you need to eat a banana that's not been sitting in that bowl getting all brown and mushy. First of all, I don't think you should be leaving fruit around in a bowl, uh, number one. That's just weird. Yeah, only billions of people do it. Well, if you buy a banana, you eat it on the spot or you keep it in the refrigerator. What? Chuckster, they come in bunches. Yeah, like five or six. So you get five or six bananas. You come back, you don't put them in the fridge. Why would you eat more, like more than one banana? That you have them there. You say, hey, I'm going to slice this up on my cereal this week. I'm going to do this with it. I'm going to make some banana bread, whatever. But nobody has ever gone into a store and bought one banana. Yeah, but you don't put bananas on cereal either, Ernie. Oh, come on, man. Yes, you do. Uh, Wheaties and bananas? Breakfast of champions, man. Ernie, I'm from the hood. We couldn't afford Wheaties. We had Cheerios. Cheerios and bananas. Cheerios oh, and no, bananas. I've had no, it on that. No. I've, I've put bananas on all kinds of cereal. Hey, listen, I had thought we had made it when we got Raisin Brands one year. But the rest of the time, it was just Cheerios. I mean, apparently, they're good for your heart. So I'm good. 
just so Hakeem knows, you would rather eat a donut that smells like a banana. Yes. Shout out to Switzerland listening to the podcast. That's, yeah. you know, Ernie, it's interesting. Like, that's pretty special. It's awesome. I mean, to have somebody in Switzerland listening to our stupid podcast, man, that's pretty cool. Hey there, Mr. Barkley or Sir Charles. It's Tomas. I'm calling from Naples, Italy. I have a couple of questions. I wondered if you ever visited Naples or Capri or Pompeii. And the second question is, what's your favorite Italian food besides pizza? All right. Love you guys' show. Um, when I go to the steam room, it's commando style, but that's the Mediterranean way. Uh, by the way, I know you're a fan of Russell Crowe, and I played Quintus in uh, Gladiator, Tomas Arena. Lots of love to all of you guys, to Ernie, to uh, Charles, and uh, really appreciate your show. It keeps a lonely man abroad very much company. All right. Be cool, guys. Bye. Wow. How about that, Chuckster? Wow. That's pretty awesome right That's there. That's one of the coolest calls we've had, man. That's one of the coolest calls. And, man, what an unbelievable movie. You want to see a little clip? I think if I remember that movie where he says, Quintus, why are you armed? Quintus, sword! Give me your sword! Sword, give me your sword! Sheath your sword! Sheath your sword! Yes. Yes. yes, Chuckster. Hey, you know what, man? That was really cool of him to take the time out of his life. And so he said he's from Naples. That's what he said. Yeah. I, you know, I've been to Italy. I can't remember if I went to Naples or not. It was probably over 20 years ago. Um, I enjoyed Italy. Oh, it's my favorite trip of all time. Cheryl Ann and I went for our 25th wedding anniversary and spent a couple weeks over there, man. That's awesome. It's, that was the best. Now, to answer his question, man, I would have to say pasta is probably my favorite meal. What kind of pasta? Penne. Okay. Uh, I like penne. The little bow ties are good, too, but penne is probably my favorite. And, man, let me tell you something. I love meatballs, man. <laughs> I love me some meatballs. I'm not going to lie. I do. If you, get, if you get to a place that have great meatballs... I just think you got to, uh, especially, uh, I say, I love going to Italian places, especially if I go to a great one. I like, I got to make some pasta and meatballs. Like I say, you know, I'll experiment every now and then with a fettuccine, bow tie, but mainly it's penne. How about like a, a dish, like a like a, a veal dish? I'm not a veal guy, but I will tell you this, the, uh, the chicken parm, if you get chicken parm at a great Italian place, it is amazing. I do, I love me some chicken parm, but man. Shout out to my man, Quintus, for calling in. Wasn't that something? Tomas Arena. That's, uh, that was unexpected. That was very special. And it was, yeah, and, and very special. So, uh, hello uh, over there in Italy. And I'm, we're glad that uh, you're, law steamer. that you, you're making a habit of listening to the steam room and it gives you a little link. So we, we appreciate that. And, and we hope to keep turning out podcasts of this immensely high quality. <laughs> we appreciate everybody who watches we hope we can brighten your day calls like that man it, it just makes my day charles ernie happy new year it's staff your australian correspondent and always loyal steamer 
Chuck, you said you were determined to make 2021 a better year. I'm curious if you've given any thought to how exactly you're going to make things better for you and others around you this year. How are you going to take 2021 into your own hands? And EJ, if you've got any bright ideas on this subject, please speak on it too. Sending good vibes from down under. Stav. Man, you know what? Every time he calls, he brings something great to the table and, and just has like this infectious feel good vibe that he gives off as he calls us from Australia. So staff, thank you so much. Chuckster, take a look at that question. And and, and so how are you going to do it in 2021? Well, number one, man, I just want to thank him for being a law steamer. You know, Ernie, and I hate to say it and be redundant, but I'm having so much fun doing the podcast. And when you just get a call, it just brightens your heart. You know, for me, Ernie, uh, number one, I'm so excited for my baby girl. You know, <laughs> she's getting married March the 6th. I've got to keep getting in better physical shape because apparently they're supposed to try to pick me up in a chair. And I told them I'm going to need all hands on deck. They're going to try to pick my fat ass up. Ooh, baby. I know. That's a daunting task. Daunting task. So number one, uh, I got to get, stop. I got to get uh, in better physical shape. I'm not getting any younger, but I just want to be a more positive person because as a person who's been very blessed to make money, have a great life, this pandemic has only just been an uh, inconvenience to me. And I just want to make sure that I keep a positive attitude at all times because there's so many people out here hurting. You never know who's lost their job or lost their livelihood. It's just tough, man. This pandemic, I mean, obviously even, even lost loved ones. I mean, because this thing is awful. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. As I answer that question, Stav, it's, um, this goes back to something that I've that I wrote about in my book Unscripted and something that is really near and dear to everybody in our family and it goes back to something that happened to me when I was 8 9 years old playing in a little league game and we had a game delayed because two of our outfielders jumped over the fence to look for a ball and then they gave up looking for the ball because they found themselves in the middle of a blackberry bramble and they were just sitting there eating blackberries. And those came to be called blackberry moments. And to, and to put it really succinctly, it's just don't be so caught up in the game that you miss the blackberries that are around you, the sweet moments that are there. And just don't lose sight, even in the, in the times that are most difficult, that there are some wonderful things out there that you can notice. And there, and there are certainly opportunities where you can make somebody's day with just the smallest gesture. Yes. I mean, just buying somebody a cup of coffee when you're filling up your gas tank or just giving somebody five minutes of your time, even though they didn't ask, but you can tell, you know, something's bugging them. But you, sometimes you get so caught up with what you've got going on with your game that you don't step away and you can provide those Blackberry moments for somebody. And just think less of yourself. Think, you know, you kind of wake up in the morning and say, how can I make somebody's day better today? And you know what, Chuckster, if you do that, if you have a country full of folks saying, I want to make somebody's day better today. Yeah. Man, that's a. I just think that that's a start. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's my answer. I took a I took a stab at it, Stav, and hopefully that is uh, something that uh, that you can use. And, and Chuckster, I'm with you on on yours too. It's just like you know, realize how good we've got it sometimes. Yes. Even in the most crazy time any of us has uh, ever lived in. That's for sure. Hey, it's M here checking in. 
I called in April to share my journey and to thank EJ and Chuck for always keeping me smiling. Hello, Sir Charles. Hey, EJ. This is M, loyal steamer, calling in from Macanda, a little town in southern Illinois. I'm a loyal steamer, and I just wanted to let you guys know that I voted for the Steam Room in the Webby Awards for Best Sports Podcast. And last of all, I just want to say thank you. You guys are so fun to listen to, so positive, and I just really appreciate you. See, I've been going through some really difficult cancer treatment for about four years now. I'm only 39 years old. This is not the way I plan to spend my 30s, but these days, I always listen to the steam room when I'm on my way to treatment, and it always makes me feel better, puts me in a good mood, reminds me to be nice and kind and loving, even when I'm having a bad day. So thank you guys, and keep doing what you're doing. That's something. Yeah, man. Emily Veach. Emily, we, uh, number one, girl, bless you and get well. Shout out to all the doctors and nurses working with you. Uh, that's the one thing I've learned through this whole pandemic, man. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to all your doctors and all the frontline heroes. But Emily, good luck to you. And um, that's tough, man. But w- w- listen, we're glad to give you a smile every week dealing with us, us, us idiots on a podcast. We're glad to bring a little joy to your life. Yeah. When you read about Emily, she's, okay, 38 embarked on a 2,400-mile cross-country road trip to move closer to family. The journey allowed Veach to reclaim independence in a time when both her health and the state of the world could feel out of control. You know what? We need to have her on the pod. Let's have her on. You know what? We need to do that. M, thank you so much. We were both kind of blown away last week when we heard your call, and we are obviously grateful that that you joined the show and we are you know humbled by what you had to say about it and how you enjoy it and your story is pretty amazing why don't you tell the folks who are listening about what you've been through in your life as somebody who has uh, battled cancer and kind of i think rings the most out of every day that anybody can do hey thank you so much i'm honored and thrilled to be here with you guys and um I don't know how long we have, but I'm happy to tell you guys a bit about my story. We got time. <laughs> yes, we do. Thank you so much. Where to begin? I have been living now with what we call metastatic breast cancer for four years. And that's basically just breast cancer that spreads beyond that initial organ um, into my bones. So it was just a very traumatic, very difficult experience, something that you don't expect, of course. And now I'm happy to say I've been stable on my treatment for more than three years. So, you know, it's still hard. It's still stressful. I still have to go into the hospital and all that stuff. You know, it's really hard to make these amazing new friends through cancer and then see them get sicker. Mm. But, you know, like you said, I'm just trying to enjoy every day. We're all just human and we're all just trying to make the best life we can. My mom and my sister both breast cancer survivors. I've had a couple of bouts with a couple of different kinds. And I know when you're going through this at the time, the country's going through too, with the, with the pandemic and how that alters, you know, hospital visits and doctor's appointments and all that stuff. And in the midst of this, you take this cross country trip. Tell me how that entered into it and tell me how you've continued to battle this during a pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic has really changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And I remember when it first started, noticing 
people just acting a little differently in public. You know, we didn't really know what was going on. There was just so much uncertainty. And I, I had a moment where I thought, wow, I've been living with this uncertainty for years now. And it felt like other people were starting to get a, a better sense of, you know, what people like me and other people dealing with serious, sometimes chronic illness are going through. And at the time I was living out in California and decided just because of the way cancer goes, it'd probably be good to have a little more family support. You know, I was making these plans to move back to the Midwest. I grew up in Indiana and pandemic started to really kick off. And I thought, wow, I don't know if we're going to be able to travel soon or all the state's going to close down. So just felt like the time was perfect to put all my stuff in a big car and make a bunch of plans to, to get back home. How long did that trip take? It took me five days. So that you have like, okay, I'm going to cry this day. And then after that, I'm only going to be positive. Did you go through any of that type of thing like that? I know what you're talking about. You know, some people say, you know, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to cry. I'm going to get it all out and then be done with it. And, um, you know, I try to do that sometimes, but the more I've been living with this, the more I think, you know, just let yourself feel how you're going to feel. Mm. You know, sometimes you may get a good scan result and you still don't feel good. So you don't want to go judging yourself for, for not feeling a certain way. So do you have to lecture your family and friends about, listen, I need you to treat me normal and don't <laughs> treat me like a, uh, like I'm in bubble wrap all the time. They do a pretty good job of treating me like their little sister anyway. So I feel like a lot of people don't understand is just treatment just keeps going. There's no cure. So that's the hardest part is that you never really know if your next scan is going to be good news or bad news. That can be the hardest for people to understand. If you'd seen me a few years ago, you'd say, wow, she looks sick. She's on chemo. You know, it's a big difference from then until now. You know, and as um, being in that club with you that nobody really wants to be in, but I think, you know, I, a couple of months ago, I talked to Robin Roberts. We were doing an event for uh, MD Anderson. And I told her, and, and, and we talked about the fact that when you are in that club, what you get are opportunities and almost a responsibility to help the next person through it. And I found that to be so true with, you know, I've gotten so many calls right out of the blue from folks who I don't know who just say, hey, look, I got a buddy of mine who's about to start non-Hodgkin's lymphoma treatment. And I know you've been down that road. So would you... and yeah, so you just call them and you and you say, hey, look, you know, here's the way it went with me. Here's the kind of treatment I had. You know, here's what somebody told me once. You may have cancer, but it doesn't have you. So don't let that, you know, don't let it take away who you are, which obviously it hasn't just from looking at you and talking to you. But have you found that to be true too? the opportunity and the responsibility to kind of say, look, nobody wants to be here, but here's what I can do to try to help you. I have, Ernie. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you do that, when you're able to do that, it even helps you. Yeah. You know, when you put yourself out there, be vulnerable with somebody else, you know, you don't know how you're going to affect them or, you know, have kind of that ripple effect out into the world. That's definitely gives me a lot of motivation, a lot of encouragement when I'm able to help people who are going through that really, really hard time right at first, especially. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, what a pleasure. What an honor to have you on the show. It's been really great to put a face with a voice to a week ago, having heard your phone call and to this week, having a chance to just kind of connect this way as we do in this time. And you stay strong and you stay the light that you are right now because you're, uh, you're glowing and the world sees it. Thank you, man. 
I appreciate you guys. Now, I just want to say something too. You know, when we started this stupid podcast, we had no idea what it was gonna be. Because I remember when I was like, yo, man, I let's do let's do it. Let's go for it. And when we get calls like yours and now getting to put a face to the voice. So I just want you to know your call meant a lot. Talking to you face to face on it means a lot. And uh, thanks for being a, a law steamer. Thank you, guys. There were so many calls this season expressing similar gratitude for the steam room. We sincerely thank you, Ernie and Charles. Hi, Charles. My name is Leslie Shaw, and I live in Dallas, Texas. I started listening to your podcast in the beginning of the pandemic, and it was always one of the highlights of my week because for 60 minutes, you guys brought me joy. On Monday, April 12th, my life changed completely as I lost everything I own in an apartment fire. I'm having to totally start over at 63. And again, your podcast brought me joy and happiness for 60 minutes after I lost everything. And for 60 minutes, I could forget my problems. Also, Ernie, you've been a big help because I keep looking for your Blackberry moments during all this. So please keep doing what you're doing, and you are making a difference. So thanks again so much. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Leslie, for that call. Wow. Leslie Shaw from Dallas, man. When we started this podcast, we just want to have fun every week. And calls like that, man, I don't even know what to say. That makes my heart hurt and feel joy. We wish you nothing but the best. But like I say, when we get phone calls like yours, it make it worthwhile. Can't even imagine that, Chuckster. I can't, to lose that in a, and every time you see on the news a house go up in flames and you see that utter devastation and you think about, number one, you're, you're praying that everybody's okay. Yes. Second thing is you think of the things that you never thought you'd have to replace and you can't replace just in terms of things that mean something to you. And just the day-to-day things with what you wear and what you where you live and all of that stuff. Yeah, I got I got a great question for you, and, and I, this is a great question we could ask anybody in the world. If your house caught on fire and you only had, let's say, ten minutes, what would be the first things you grab? So we're not talking about the people in your life or getting everybody out of no, the house. Get, no, all your people in your life is out. But if the fire department came to your door and said the house on fire, you got to get out in ten minutes. What would be the, some of the things you would grab? I always try to find that to be a fascinating question. Mm, mm, mm. You know, obviously, you, you think about maybe all the old photos you had, the family yeah. things that you had. I mean, it would have to be something that, that has that kind of significance. You know, my wife gave me a gift once that's a compass, and it, it has the incredible meaning for me because... It represented a, a turnaround in my spiritual life. And she was like, she had given me this compass and said, here's something to remember the day you found your direction. Wow. And so that's probably the most, has the most meaning for me. So if I could only run in and grab one thing, it would probably be that compass. That's awesome. But we just, you know, I I try not to put any any value into really just material things. And I just think, you know. I think for me, it'd be some pictures, you know, my mother and grandmother. Yeah. They both passed away. I had two brothers who passed away. So pictures would probably be it for me. Yeah. Oh, and actually money in my safe. I want to make sure that. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> see, that's an easy answer for you. But I, but I, we appreciate the call from Leslie. Yeah, Leslie, God bless you. So sorry to hear about the circumstances that had her call us. And yeah, and we keep looking for those. Uh, keep looking for those BlackBerry moments. There are going to be yes. some people you meet through this that you never would have met who are going to be incredibly helpful to you. So prayers up for you, Leslie. Prayers up. Yes. Hey guys, Jack Morgan, man. I love your guys' podcast. Went back and have listened to every single one of them since the beginning. Just wanted to call and say thanks. I'm a coach. I was a player. I absolutely love the NBA on TNT with all you guys sitting up there cracking on each other and still loving each other. Well, I really wanted to call you and say thank you for us for your podcast. So my uh, pops had a stroke on May the 3rd. He was a teacher and a coach and a principal. He passed last Thursday. And uh, I was in the hospital and hospice and a lot of places with him, spent a lot of hours away from my daughters and my wife and my school and my players and just a lot of time on my own with him sleeping and going through the what he went through with the illness and, and trying to recover and then not recovering. Uh, you guys, the energy you got, the positives you, you bring to what you do on the same room, the guests, the fact you keep it real. You know, I love Chuck's idea, the grown-ass human. Uh, you know, because we, we need a lot more of those. You guys got me through. That's all I got to say. I mean, some dark, dark nights and some dark times and some tough conversations. The humor, the humanity and everything, just can't tell you that enough. Chuck, you got a fan for life in me and Ernie. I don't know that there's a better person for me to point my all my young sports journalists to than you for them to figure out how to do the job and do it right. Again, thanks for the steam room. Thanks for all you bring, and, and thanks for helping me get through a really rough time. Wow. You know, uh, number one, uh, sorry about your loss. Sound like your dad was your hero because uh, you went into basically the same profession he did, kind of like Ernie did. We know Ernie's dad was his hero. So, listen, when we started this podcast, we wanted to just have some fun. I didn't know if I was going to – because I got to tell you all some funny <laughs> I've actually never listened to a podcast, ever. <laughs> ever in my life. But I love when people say they enjoy our podcast. I want to make them laugh. I want to make them think sometimes. But the main thing, I just want to make people laugh. And I just want to thank everybody for the support. But Mr. Morgan, man, I'm glad we're able to bring some joy to you. But thank you for the support. And just to play off one thing that Jack had said too, when I lost my dad like 10 years ago, you know, his last few days were spent in hospice. He talked about his dad being in hospice too. Mm-hmm. Shout out to those folks who do that because that is a, uh, you got to be wired yeah. for a job like that when every day you know what the possibility is that you're going to be encountering. So all those angels who have taken uh, that job of hospice on, yeah, that is uh, that is special. I don't know what we'd do without you because that's, um, hmm. Mm, Just shout out mm, to mm, anybody mm, involved mm. in hospice care, because, uh, man, that is your true soldier. Uh, Mr. Barkley, this is Mike Davis. I just want to say, brother, you took the time to wish my son good luck when he was involved in a horrific accident last June. Chuck, I just want to tell you, man, he was complete quadriplegic, but, brother, he's walking again. I just want to give you that update, and I thank you so much for your inspiration. He still has some limitations, Chuck, but my man is walking, and he's a sophomore now at the University of Georgia. Thank you, Chuck. The theme room, baby. Hey, man. 
that's inspirational. With all the crazy stuff we got going on in the middle of this pandemic, if that don't make you smile and make you feel joy in your heart, there's just something wrong with you. And uh, I'm going to say this, and it's painful to say, go dogs. Yes, sir. That's, again, to your point. I know this has been an incredibly, incredibly tough year, yeah. but we are thankful for those moments like that one. Yes. That give us hope. Mike Davis, man, thank you for the video. That's awesome. Hi, Charles. This is Anne calling from Houston, Texas. I would like to take this time to thank all of you for providing me with hours of entertainment for the past 12 months. Like many other Americans, I was laid off due to the pandemic. I had spent 20 years in management in the hospitality industry. And to say that that industry has been decimated is a critical understatement. But things are looking up. Starting in April of 2020, I started listening to your podcast every week and look forward to being entertained by your crew and your guests. 2020 was a year I will never forget, yet I'm so grateful to have been introduced to your wit and wisdom. It provided me with levity during the most unusual and difficult year for our country. I promised myself that I would leave a message for you and your team to show my gratitude when I finally went back to work. And 12 months later, I'm fortunate enough to be going back to work in the hotel industry. Charles and Ernie, please know that you have a fan for life. Thank you, and God bless. Wow. And that is awesome. Uh, you know, when we started doing this silly, stupid podcast, I didn't know what to expect. But when we get calls from the lady somewhere in the Midwest who had got lost her job also, and she started taking a walk, listening to our podcast, the soldier who was from Minnesota, I want to say, who was suffering from PTSD, and said, we, he, we the only thing that made him smile. And then your call today, Ann. And also, even going back for my daughter's wedding, man, we got so many great calls with people suggesting songs for the father-daughter dance. I'm having a blast doing the podcast. Uh, I want to thank TNT for giving me and Ernie a, a fun platform to just have fun. And uh, we I, we have to touch on hard stuff sometimes. You, you know, we want to we want we want to give you wit and wisdom. Ernie's going to give you wit, and I'm going to give you the wisdom. Uh, <laughs> okay, other way around. But Anne, but Anne, Anne, thank you. We share that. We share that. Uh, but no, just thank you, Anne. And you know what? I tell people, man, this COVID's the worst thing. I think the worst thing I've ever had in my life since 9-11. And so many people have lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their lives. And all these small businesses that have been struggling, my thoughts are with all those people. That's why I try not to complain about stupid stuff going on in my own life. Because, man, this COVID thing is awful. So I'm glad you got you a job, Ann. And uh, you're going to be a fan for life. Thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate that, Ann. Obviously, uh, some heartfelt sentiments on your part. And we uh, we appreciate that. And and we would just say this. You know, we only have one rule on the steam room. And that's if you're a guest that, you know, you, you leave your towel on. But here's the other one. Don't listen at work. Because if your boss is not a fan of podcasts and doesn't want you to listen at work, we don't want you doing that either. So just, uh, you know, when you when you get back home, you're taking a stroll. Check us out. Because I think this week, Chuck, was it more wit or was it more wisdom? Uh, I think I think it was a combination of both, evenly, wit and wisdom. Hello, this is Mr. Richardson, a fourth grade teacher from Roanoke Avenue Elementary School in Riverhead, New York. I called into Chuck's machine to tell Ernie and Charles about something I do in my classroom called Inside 305. It's kind of an interesting, cool weekly activity that I created 
from my students by using ideas I got from the NBA on TNT, and of course, the steam room. Hi, my name is Mr. Richardson. I'm a fourth grade African-American teacher on Long Island. The reason I'm reading out for your show is because I have incorporated so many parts of your show into my daily teaching, and I just wanted to share it with you guys and tell you what I do. Basically, I have like a little talk show on Friday called Inside Room 305 instead of Inside the NBA. And obviously, you know, some kids just aren't into reading. So we've incorporated some segments called First of All, which is if you're up in front of the room, after you do like what we learned, what the read aloud's about this week or what we did in math, you get to do a First of All segment where you get to talk about whatever you want. And these kids, some of them who hate writing, I'm like, yo, I want to do, I got to do First of All because I want to get up there and talk about Fortnite for like a minute or 2K or cheerleading or, you know, they're playing an instrument. And then one kid is my EJ because everyone wants to be the EJ. The EJ is the leader of the show who sits in the middle and, put, okay, now you go and you go and you go like they run it. So that's the leadership spot. And everyone wants to be, can I be EJ this week? Who gets to be the EJ this week? You know, because they know they're in charge. They get to run it. They welcome everyone in the audience. They close out. We have a little segment. It's so much fun, you know, and that's what we do as teachers. We kind of just borrow and stuff. And I love the guys, things you guys do. So I appreciate it. I just want you to know we're doing things, and I'm so happy. I've done this for years now. I just never thought to mention it until the thing came up, and I was watching the doc the other day. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Wow. Isn't that cool, Chuckster? That is so cool. You know what's amazing about that, Ernie? I've been a big proponent of, as a teacher, the notion that everybody's going to be great at academics is a misfortunate way to look at life. And if you're a teacher, like I give you a perfect example, my brother, Daryl, he could, you could try to crank up your car and within five minutes, he could tell you like, well, this is not working. I'm like, dude, how you know that? He said, I don't have any idea how I know that. He had no mechanical training, but he loved reading about cars and how they work and everything. So when you got a teacher like this, he's like, my job is to help you, not say do it this way. That that to me, uh, he, he's a, that's a perfect teacher right there. You know what? Uh, let's talk to the perfect teacher then. Oh, he, are you serious? Yeah. James Richardson is joining us here on The Steam Room. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for this not being a cease and desist operation to shut down what I'm doing in my room. I'm glad we're okay with it. You know, I can't do student loans and lawyer fees, so I'm glad it's going to be simple. All right. Hey, we applaud you for this, Matt. And it's very cool that you assimilate these elements of media and that kind of thing into connecting with the kids. And I'll, let me say this, too, that I look forward to talking to you because my oldest daughter, Maggie, is also a teacher. She's a special needs teacher down here in, in Georgia uh, at Buford High School. My two older sisters were both teachers, so I have nothing but respect and affection for you who have pursued the teaching profession. So thanks for being with us and, uh, and, and well done, man. This is, this is a very cool way to, to, uh, to teach. You know, I'm, I'm always looking ways to make it fun because, you know, kids, I, I teach uh, fourth graders. So they're nine turning 10. It's a nice age group for me because, you know, I have a sense of humor. They can get sarcasm, but they're still scared of their parents. No puberty yet. It's like a nice little window area you can operate. on. <laughs> it's like the perfect spot for me personally. And then, you know, I can make it fun. I can I can do different things to keep them engaged because, you know, they have the attention span of like a tumbleweed. So they're gone quick. So I know I'm putting on a show. And then I've stolen stuff over the years, or borrowed, again, no lawsuits, stolen, borrowed, from various forms of media. I'll see things, I'm like, oh, I can take that. Oh, I can tweak this up. And they get up there. Like the first of all segment, they will go off about everything. And it, it was funny because we, we started for a while and some of them wanted to be crystal clear. 
if I talk about my mom and dad and about how they don't let me do stuff, are you going to tell them? I'm like, I'm not going to say nothing. It's like Vegas <laughs> in here. Shut down. Don't worry about it. You say what you want. So don't get up there. My dad won't let me do my mom. It's cute. But they, they write it out. And then we chat it and everything. <laughs> I added um a Kenny's pictures thing where like someone's segment had to be about stuff we learned during the week. So they'll put something up that we did and they have to talk about the picture in a ditch because they'll be on the smart board behind them. I also do an EJ stat of the day, which is basically as we research nonfiction books, they have to research interesting facts that no one knows. Most of them pull things about animals or whatever things. And they have just a bunch of facts that all the kids hear and go, oh, my, that's cool. We didn't know that, you know, this kind of thing. It's great. They really love it. I couldn't do it as much this year as I wanted to because of the restrictions. I couldn't get everyone close together in the room. There's a lot going on. But um, I've been doing versions of this for many years now. Honestly, I've just been taking it and tweaking it. Well, number one, I'm proud of the fact that we need more black male teachers. So, number one, congratulations on your career choice. That's something that we've been talking about for years. So, number one, I'm proud of you. Thank you. 21 years. 21 years? 21 years teaching fourth grade. Who influenced you to be a teacher? At a high school, I'm thinking about it. I'm not really sure. Um, I was back and forth with a few things. I wanted to be a comedian one point because I thought I was funny. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Uh, but then my girlfriend, who now is my wife, suggested, you know, she said, oh, you should be a teacher. And even then, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Went to college, everything. I'm doing the thing. And I'm still unsure. I went upstate New York because I'm, I'm in New York. And college, you get an opportunity to go into a local school and like practice, you know, get in front of the room. And it just hit the second I got in front of them. I was like, oh, this is it. Cause I knew they were young. You can have fun. Like I said, the sarcasm, the jokes I'm putting on a show and I can make it fun and engaging. And I just turned into it. So then I just turned into Mr. Richardson, which is like, not even me. It's like me turned up to six, like 10. Like I'm just, I get wild and, but it keeps them engaged and it's just fun. And I enjoyed it. So like I said, 21 years I've been doing it. I love it. I, I really do. I want to tell you, and I said before I knew you were coming on, nice surprise. You to me is what makes teachers special because your job is to find a way to relate to your kids. Thank you for incorporating our show into your teaching element because, man, you said a little bit earlier, hey, me just telling them something to do, that's not going to motivate them or inspire them. And the way you did some tweaks to your curriculum, a lot of your kids, man, owe you a lot of success down the line. Thank you for saying that. Awesome. Hey, well done. Thank you for the support. Yeah, we appreciate the message which sparked this conversation and which gives us a, an opportunity to give a salute to you and all the educators out there who are showing up every day and stretching your brain to say, okay, how am I going to reach out? So well done, man. We appreciate you spending some time in the steam room. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Part of what makes this podcast great is the simple fact that there's no story like a Charles Barkley story. What makes Chuck's answering machine great is we get to tell our stories. Let me tell you, loyal steamers have some stories. Hi, Charles. This is Karen. When you were playing with the Rockets, I was working at McDonald's in the area that you were living in, Sugarland. We had a special just for you on the menu called the Charles Barkley special. It was two fish fillet and two apple pie, and I'll never forget that. Thanks. Well, Ashley, there's some truth to that. My pregame meal was two fish fillets, a large fry, and a Diet Coke. I never had two apple pies. Well, where, then the, what's up with the apple pies? Is she making that up? Uh, there might have been one day I ordered a couple <laughs> pies. I like those things. Well, there's no better pies than lemon when you go to certain places, but they're all right. But those apple pies were not for me. But I will confess, most game days, I eat two fish fillets and a large fry. 
Are you a tartar sauce guy? One of the greatest inventions ever in the world is tartar sauce. So just tartar sauce on uh, two fish fillets. Oh, yeah. All right. And when you get uh, fried shrimp, a mixture of tartar sauce and cocktail sauce is a delicacy, in my opinion. Yeah, just I think I like the cocktail sauce and maybe a little horseradish in that. I can't have just cocktail sauce. I have to mix it with tartar sauce. Hey, Chuck. My name's Derek, and I have to tell you about what is possibly my biggest regret in life and how it involves meeting your mother and grandmother. I was a kid in the 90s and a huge Charles Barkley fan. Of course, all my friends were Michael Jordan fans, but not me. I traded every Michael Jordan sports card I had for Charles Barkley cards. It was a terrible financial decision, but that's not my biggest regret. Every summer, my family drove from southern Missouri to Gulf Shores, Alabama for vacation. One year, about 1995 or so, I told my parents I wanted to go to Leeds to find Charles Barkley's house on our way to Gulf Shores. So my dad took the big detour toward Birmingham. We rolled into Leeds in a Buick and stopped at the first gas station we could find and asked for directions to Charles Barkley's house. Lo and behold, somebody pointed us in the right direction and we pulled up to your childhood home. We knocked on the door and out came your mother and your grandmother. We spoke for a long time and they were just the sweetest and they loved that I was decked out in my number 34 son's jersey. So what's my biggest regret? Your mom was so happy that we had pulled up out of the blue and asked me over and over and over to come inside and see your trophies and memorabilia. I was so nervous and awestruck that I just kept saying no. To this day, being too scared to take her up on her offer is maybe my biggest regret in life. Luckily, I have a framed picture of me in front of your childhood home standing next to your initials, CB, and the wrought iron fence in front of the house. Like I said, I've always been and always will be a huge Charles Barkley fan. I know how much your mother and your grandmother meant to you, and I thought you might like hearing about how it meant so much that they were so nice to young kids who pulled up to their house out of the blue. Wow. Man, what a great picture. Wow. Man, uh, number one, shout out to my mother and grandmother. Rest in peace. I uh, hope they, uh, they're in peace. Uh, you know, Ernie, uh, when I first started becoming in the limelight, I, I had to talk to my mother and grandmother about always being nice uh, because people are going to come up and talk to you. You can't be in a bad mood. You can't be having a bad day. This all goes with this. People always say to me, do you get tired of people walking up to you? I say, yeah, I do. But I'm always going to be nice and cordial because that goes with it. You don't get to just nitpick the good and the bad. It all goes together. But at the same time, Chuck, look, everybody's human. We all have bad days. We all have stuff going on. The other edge of that sword is that sometimes if somebody blindsides you at the gas station on a day when you've just had the most difficult conversation of your life and you're kind of like maybe short and then somebody will say, oh, yeah, I met him one time. Man, he was guy was a jerk. And you, and you have to guard against that because think about this, Ernie. That kid kept that picture for 100 years. If my mother and grandmother had been mean or rude to him, he would have hated Charles Barkley for the rest of his life. And I never want anybody to have that experience with me. Think about that. That young man, this is 100 years ago. He took the time out of his life to call into our podcast and he's kept that picture all these years. Like, that's what I want people to think about any celebrity. Like, that was the only time he was going to meet my mother and grandmother. You think if they had been jerks to him, he would have, number one, kept that picture or wore a Charles Barkley jersey for the rest no. of the I tell these jocks all the time, man, when you're famous, it all goes together. I'm so glad my mother and grandmother was nice to him, but 
all you famous people out there, somebody's gonna gonna meet you that one time in life. And listen, of course, there's gonna be some jerks or some assholes every now and then. But I tell people, man, 90% of the people who walk up to me just wanna say hello and say something nice and kind. I have one more, I have one story just to dovetail on that because, and I'm not gonna name the person. He played on the PGA Tour and the tour had stopped in Atlanta for a tournament. And I was out there and I had Maggie with me and Maggie was only about 10, 9, 10 years old. And she's just tagging along with me. And she said, I want to get some autographs. And so this one player had just finished his round and, and there were a handful of autograph seekers around him. So Maggie went up with her little program and she had a Sharpie and everything ready to go. She handed it up to him, you know, would you please sign this and, and then handed him the pen. And he said, don't give me a pen. I already got pen. <laughs> and she was like almost burst into tears. Yeah. And, and she came back to me and was really quiet the rest of the day. But every year after that day, anytime golf was on TV and this guy showed up, she said, I hope he finishes last. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to. Not gonna bring up his name. Give me the night in the studio. You always have to remember yeah. what an impact a moment like that has. And was yeah. the same way. When I was a kid, I was at the stadium one day and an old catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, Clay Delrymple, was playing catch with a teammate and he got finished and he saw me standing near the, you know, near the backstop and he threw me the ball. And he was my favorite player from that point on. No. So, yeah, it's those moments. And they, I'm telling you, they weigh a ton. That kid, number one, he's wearing a Charles Barkley jersey. And he's kept that picture all these years. That makes me just love my mother and grandmother more. Because think about that. This kid took the time to call into our podcast. My mother and grandmother had to been mean to him. You know, you just never know. You just never know. It's the power of a moment, Chuckster. Yes, sir. Power of a moment. Hey there again, Charles. Steve Gleason here. Thanks for inviting me in the steam room. Ernie, I'm a big fan of yours, but I'd say I'm more of a sauna guy. I'll take a sauna over the steam room every time. I love you, Chuck. And you were the athlete who most inspired me in my athletic career. You didn't have the prototypical stature of an NBA all-star. And your attitude and approach were somewhat outside the box compared to the status quo. I used this type of approach in my NFL career, and I've certainly used this in the last decade in my ALS career. Charles, I know you are familiar with the challenges of ALS with your friend Gary Godfrey, but I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with ALS. One thing people can know about ALS is, beyond the devastation of not being able to move, or talk, or breathe, I know that, with the right support, and resources, and mindset, it's possible to live purposefully and productively with this disease. Our foundation, Team Gleason, is a global leader in providing those resources, the support, and mindset, people and families who are working to live with ALS. For more information on how to get support from Team Gleason, or if you'd like to get involved, go to teamgleason.org. Thanks, Ernie and Charles. Love you, boys. Wow. Dang, Chuckster. Man, that is, you know, I know everything about that dude. I followed his story when it happened. 
And then my friend who I played with, Gary Godfrey, man, that's, uh, that was, oof, that's tough. And my friend Gary has just been a great inspiration to me because I don't know how I would handle that situation. Man, he just inspired me just then. I'm going to do more for ALS uh, at Team Gleason. But man, Gary is like a brother to me. And like I say, we've been together since I was in college. Gary used to beat the hell out of me every single day. <laughs> you know, uh, I used to tell people, he, one of the reasons Gary is important to me is because Gary is a big old dude. And he's one of those guys who give maximum effort all the time. So I tell people, when I got to the NBA, the physical contact, wasn't a shock to my system. <laughs> I said, you know, you only get five fouls, right? And I said, you've got it in the first five minutes, but it really made me a better player. So uh, I got to figure out with Mr. Gleason and Gary a way to get involved with ALS because I think, uh, man, it's a tough disease. It's an awful disease, uh, but I want to thank him for reaching out to the steam room. And for those who may not have followed the NFL, um, may not immediately recognize the name of Steve Gleason. He was a former NFL player. There was a highlight reel play in the aftermath of Katrina when football returned to New Orleans and he blocked the punt for a touchdown mm -hmm. against the Atlanta Falcons. It was a few years later when he was diagnosed with ALS. And so it's remarkable also you know, with the technology for him to be able to communicate the way he did with us. It is just such a snapshot of a man who has taken this unspeakable situation and has dedicated his life to trying to help the next person through it. So, yeah, Steve Gleason, you're an amazing man. And thank you for taking the time, man. Shout out to Steve Gleason and my brother, Gary Godfrey, man. I love you guys. Chuck and Ernie, my dudes, it's Harry, loyal steamer Harry, as I'm known among my people. Look, man, congrats to you and the entire Steam Room team on your Webby Award nomination. I got nominated to separate category, but I made a video about my dreams coming true, playing drums, touring all these NBA arenas, and the fact that I'm even eligible for a thing that can be won by Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson. It just makes me so insanely grateful that I decided I'm going to donate 50 drum sets to 50 schools across the 50 United States if I win. Because that's how I got my start. There's a school in Alabama that had a donated drum set. Do it for the kids, man. And keep those towels on, fellas. Thanks. Peace. Harry, that's a great call right there, man. I, I love that. And, and, and to donate 50 drum sets... That's tremendous. Uh, I tell you what, Harry, if you win, I'll donate 50 drum sets too. So that'll make it an even hundred. That's great stuff. And I hope he wins a Webby. You know, anytime we have a drummer on the podcast, I think of two movies, Chuckster. What two movies do I think of? Wait, Whiplash? Whiplash, yes. Have you watched it yet? I have not. It was once nominated for the best picture. I, I know. And you know J.K. Uh, he's one of my favorite actors, but I haven't seen him in that role. I've got to admit that, man. Golly, you, you've got to watch that, man. That is such a good watch. I've had several chances to watch Whiplash. I just love well, to do see it. it. No, I just like to express it on your face when I said I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I know. It is starting to piss me off a little bit. We didn't win a Webby. That's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, I understand that. Somebody special did win. Harry Myrie. Yay! Hello, dudes. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up, man? The musk is strong in the steam room, man. It's just like I imagined it. <laughs> yeah, keep your towel on, man. Hey, first of all, man, congratulations. Thank you, dude. You know, it's uh, it's not what I 
envisioned. I think the podcast category will go down as all one of the all time snubs, like Dave Cowan's MVP over Kareem in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, we're gonna make sure we get those drums. I actually made a really bad decision when I was like, I think fifteen. And I got a set of drums <laughs> for Christmas. I was great for two weeks. Then I never touched them again. Because I was like a typical teenager. You get a gift for Christmas and you do it every day for two weeks. Then you it's gone. I understand your passion for drums. But I had a great two-week run as a drummer. I got to admit that. Were you like in the high school band, Harry? Were you in the marching band too? Or were you in a garage band in high school? How'd you pick it up? Yeah, I mean, so I... I would not be a drummer. I would not be sitting here talking to you right now if I hadn't gone to school that had a drum set donated by another student who had gone there before me. He just left his drums there when he graduated. I cannot imagine what my life would be if those drums weren't just sitting there. Music is pretty underfunded in schools, man. But it's the first thing I found my identity in. It's the first time I felt like me when I started beating on those drums, man. So uh, I went from being a dude who didn't want to even show up to school to eventually I was getting locked in the school. I would stay so late playing those things after school, man. You know that every jock in the world has two goals and dreams, either learning an instrument or be able to sing for a living. You know, I don't want to brag on myself, but I'm considered the greatest living karaoke singer still alive. Oh, yeah. stop it, man. You're horrible. I mean, I told you, you know my nickname is Old Brown Eyes because I only sing Frank Sinatra, and I'm pretty good at it. Ernie's just a hater. He's just a hater. <laughs> Hey, Harry, I'm trying to get Chuckster to watch Whiplash, man. Well, listen, EJ, when I come to Atlanta to bring those generous drums from Chuck to the city school, I'll stop by the TNT studios. I got Chuck a copy right here. Hey, I a baby. Hey, don't you love that movie? Yeah, I, I, I got to <laughs> admit, I haven't seen it either. It's right here in my oh, head. I've never seen it. Either. Oh, yes. I love it. Your whole life as a young musician is like some crass, music guy yelling at you and making you cry and go home and feel bad about yourself. So I figured just my life was probably this movie. I don't need to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's kind of right on the mark. We're really happy that you won. I think that's tremendous. And we're really happy because Chuck's going to match, uh, you know, your, your drum donation. But when I think about that and I, and I hear the way that you started because somebody had left some drums there, you don't know what this is going to do. And it may just take that one drum kit that was left at a school in this state that turned some kid's life around, man. So that's tremendous. Agreed, Ernie. Thank you, man. I, um, I, I've heard this sentiment from you before, Chuck. It's not even that I uh, want to groom a thousand new professional drummers for the next generation. That's never what it was about for me either. It's about opportunities for people who aren't as lucky as me yet. I just got lucky that I found these drums, right? Um, something to mess with, something that gives you more insight in yourself, something that brings you together constructively with other people who play these instruments. And then you start to get this bond, man. It's like, I think the value of like sports in school is really similar, right? Like what you learn about yourself from collaborating with other people. That's the part that I'm excited about. I'm so grateful to y'all that we're going to pump all these schools full of drum sets, man. Listen, if me and Ernie had a one, it was just been some more crap we could have put on the wall. <laughs> I'm glad that you won because we're going to help some kids. So congratulations, my brother. Uh, amen, dude. I thank, thank you so much for taking it to the next level. I got to say, when I got nominated, 
first I thought it was a joke. And then when I realized this was real and that I was competing with TV stars, I kind of shriveled up and went, I'm not even going to compete for this. And what changed the entire game, man, is I, I go running every night. I run a couple of miles at 2 a.m. I always put on the steam room. And Ernie comes on and goes, you'll never believe this. We got nominated for a Webby Award. And that opened this door in my brain like, well, look, if it's good enough for Chuck and Ernie and TK, <laughs> then like I, I have to engage with this thing, man. I, I have to compete. And um, that's when I called into the show and decided like, I, I feel kind of the way you do, Chuck. Like, I don't really need to benefit from this. I've been given way more than I deserve in life. But if we can turn this into a thing where people who stand to benefit from it can, and you've put us in that position, like that changed everything. I still got whooped until I called y'all. And then it turned into like a news story, Chuck, that you got involved. And that's what I think we won by uh, uh, the skin of our, our teeth. Lion slide. <laughs> uh, I, I could not have done it without y'all, man. So um, this is crazy. I'm, I feel like I'm going to wake up from this any second. Thank you both so much. I, um, Ernie, I, th I think uh, I, I tell people this, man. I think I've cried twice watching television. Once is when they air Forrest Gump. And the other <laughs> is when um, in 15 or 16, when you came up and took that Emmy and, and said, thanks and all, but can the family of Stuart Scott come up here? Because it belongs on yeah. Stuart Scott's mantle. And the, just the tears were flowing, man. I was so moved by that. And the tone that both of y'all set which directly affects this drum set thing easily. The tone that both of y'all set of give it away, we're, we're blessed. I go like that, like that path really speaks to me, man. And I, yeah. I try and follow in y'all's footsteps, man. No, appreciate you, Harry. You know, I think we're all kind of like, um, look, don't, you know, if, if you look past yourself a little bit and see uh, how you're going to change somebody else's life today, that's kind of a good recipe for fixing some ailments in this, uh, in this day. But, uh, but thanks for the kind words. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you all, man. Um, everybody that works on this show is a, uh, I, Chuck, I know you don't want me to blow up his ego, but producer Cap, he's my dude, man. Oh, oh. Lord. Oh, Cap's Lord. Awesome. Go. Oh, Cap is oh. quickly falling into the lines of the legendary. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Watch Whiplash. Producer Cap here to wrap things up. But before we officially sign off, I just want to extend a sincere thank you to everyone who has taken the time to call and leave a message on the machine over these past two years. And to say, it's not too early to get your calls in for season three. The number to call is 404-987-0330. We'll see you guys soon.